Okay, it's the fourth sermon in the most stupendous sermon series of the year so far. And we're going to talk about the strongest man ever. And you know who that is, probably, especially if you, know, if you grew up in you grew up in Sunday school or kids' church or something, you know, that, that was Samson. Okay, so let, let me introduce you to Samson real quick if I can. And a lot, lot of scriptures I'd love to give you here. Just don't have time to read all of them. But in Judges chapter 13 is where we're introduced to him. Let me tell you a little bit of the story before we get to these last couple of verses. And uh, Samson is going to be born to a lady who has never had kids. She, Bible often calls them barren, a lady that's never had kids. She, she's been barren. And so God finally says, late in life, he says, you're going you're gonna, to uh, have a child. And uh, this child is going to be special to me. He's going to have to follow some very specific rules. He calls them a Nazarite. Now, there, there were certain things that they did. And this was not, this was not put on everyone. This was just put on those who, who God has set apart and say, I've got something special for you to do. Now, among all the other laws and rules and things that we ought to abide by, the things that are right, things that we should do, Nazarites also had to do a couple of things, one of them specifically, and these were the things that, that, uh, that God was mentioning and telling this lady, said, you're going to have to do some of this as well while you're pregnant with him, is he can never, never taste of wine or the fruit of, of grapes. He can never taste of that. And, and he can never put a razor to his head. He, he never cut his hair. His hair will, will continue to grow for, for all of his life. Never put a razor to his hair. And, and, and then this covenant that God was making with him, God was going to use him mightily. And so that's how he became the strongest man. And in verse 24 and 25 of that chapter, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtel, and what that means, stir him, it means that the, the Spirit of God began to stir him and begin to use him in miraculous ways. The, the Spirit of God began to stir him, meaning that uh, if you see in the Old Testament, a lot of times you'll see where, where the Spirit of God used specific people at specific times, as the Spirit of God would stir them at times. We live in a different time, though, and I, I need to throw this in real quick because this is something that you might think about a little later in this message. We live in the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus died. And so there were things that were different. There were limitations on them that we don't have on us. And so when we see that, that there were times when God would stir Samson, there were times when God would stir other prophets or other great men of the Old Testament, that what we are promised is we are promised an endowment of power from the Holy Spirit that it's, it, it doesn't, it's not here or there or today or tomorrow. It is always there with us. And this Holy Spirit is with us every day, not just on a Sunday morning or not just when he chooses to stir us, but he is always there. And this power part of God is always there available for us. Okay, so through that in, just so you kind of get a little bit of that. Okay, now here's what I see about Samson that I think I got to really throw at you very first before we get to any, any of that other good stuff. Okay, we'll start with the bad. Is that good? You want to start with the bad? Let's get the bad out of the way so then we can get to the good. Okay, so here, here's the bad. Uh, is, that, is that I see a lot of Samson in today's generation that maybe even we're living in a Samson generation. I, I just uh, heard, heard a sermon by Robert Morris, and I wish I could remember the name of the sermon, but in this sermon, he talks about, uh, he talks about how pride opens doors, and this is one of his quotes, is one of the biggest open doors to the enemy is pride. That when, when we begin to get so proud, this is what he's saying, when we, we begin to get so proud or full of our own abilities, like, man, I'm so strong in God right now, I can handle anything. 
And we start acting like that and like we can deal with anything and, and we can kind of do anything and we can kind of choose our own way, then we're opening the door to, for the enemy to come into us and challenge us in that very thing. And so, so, so here's one of the things we're going to see about Samson, and I see it so much, and I'm not talking about the people out there, I'm talking about the church. As you're going to see in Samson the things that I see in the church, that we see in the church world today, is that, is that, that we think, well, we're, we're at a place with God where we can kind of handle anything. We can kind of do anything we want to, any way we want to, and we don't have to pay attention so much to all the rules. Those rules are for all you people who are weaklings in the spirit. But what you're going to see is you see with, not just with him, but you see with others. David, even the man after God's own heart, that you see these men of great strength who seemingly fall so weak, so easily, so deceptively, and they, it's almost like they, they never even saw it coming. And that was Samson, okay? So let me tell you, let me give you three principles right here today. That's what we're going to talk about, three principles. The first one is this. It's sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. It's going to happen, okay? Whatever God says, it's going to happen. You can't mock it. You can't, you can't do anything with it. You will always harvest what you plant. There are rewards or consequences to every action. Okay, now I told you we're gonna deal with the, the bad first, okay? So stay with me here, okay? Don't check out on me. Stay with me here because there's some good after this bad, but let's deal with the bad first. There are always rewards or consequences for every action. Now, a lot of times what we'll see is we will see somebody do something and we'll say, they got away with it. And we, well, they might have looked like they got away with it, but there are always consequences to everything we do. You cannot go scatter seed Whatever the seed is, you can't go scatter this seed constantly and not eventually have to pay the piper. I mean, it's going to grow. You know, I, you know I've had people basically come to me and say, Pastor, I, I've lived a horrible life for the last 20 years and I've sowed a lot of bad seed. I want you to pray that God doesn't let any of that stuff grow. And you know what? I can't pray that. It's going to grow. You, you know, if, you, if you've been scattering bad seed for 20 years, you are going to constantly be pulling up bad weeds, you know, in your life for a long time, you know, until you can get a hold of that and until maybe God can do a miracle in your life. And see, here's, what, here's, here's how Samson, uh, Samson kind of did it. Go on to my next slide right here. Uh, Samson picked up God when he needed him and ignored God when he wanted to do his own thing. We never do that, do we? That's, that's, that's what Robert Morris was talking about, about the pride issue. Is when I need God, oh, well, I got to have God. But then when I, oh, well, I got this and figured out, God, I don't need your help. And Samson was like, Samson, I mean, read the story. And listen, I, I'm, I'm going to leave out some specifics about the story because I, I want you, I really want you to read this story. It's, it's four chapters, starting at Judges chapter 13. Four little chapters. You can read it in 15 minutes this afternoon. You need to go read this story and just see how his life just fell apart and could have been so much more. And you know what? That's what I'm saying to you is our lives are falling apart, marriages are falling apart, our kids are in, in such danger and peril, and it could be so much more, so much more, if we just wake up and see what it could be. Let me just show you some examples here in, in, in the life of, I'm sorry, back up, I, I need to get that list there at the bottom. Let me show you some uh, examples right here. In uh, Judges chapter 14, verse 1, when, you, when you're on vacation, I mean, you don't really have to follow God's rules on vacation, do you? I mean, hey, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation from Christianity too, right? I mean, I actually know people that have said those kinds of things. I was on vacation this week. 
You know, I, I, that doesn't compute to me, you know, or, or when you're on, on a date with a girlfriend, chapter 14, verse 2, when he was on a date, when he found a girl, you know, it's like, okay, God, I don't need your rules right now because I got this one on my own, you know. You know, I, I know how to handle a young lady. You know, I know how to go on a date and I know how to do, I, I can handle this, God. I don't need your direction on this. That's, that's what Samson said in verse three, choosing a mate. And it's very interesting to me. I mean, th- this one is the one that points it out more than anything. You need to read this verse and, and the link there is there on the Sunday's page. And, and you read this verse here and here's what he says. He comes home to his mom and dad after he's been away for, you know, on vacation out of town or whatever, after he's been on a date or seen this girl and he goes home to his mom and dad and he says, I've seen a woman and I like her. I want you to go get her for me. Now, things were different back in those days. Could you imagine guys having to go home to mom and dad and say, I have found a good looking girl and I want you to go get her for me? I need you to set me up. Can you imagine going home and asking your mom, I want you to set me up on a date with this girl? And that's what Samson had to do. That's the way things were back in those days. And so he comes home and he says, Mom, Dad, I want you to, I want you to go get this girl for me. She is the girl. And they said, they said, is there not a girl among our people? Here's what they were trying to tell him. Is you, you see a good-looking girl. You are looking at the outside, just the skin. You are looking at the beauty. And you don't think about all the other things that she's been raised in, what her family believes, how her family acts. And, and where you, whereas you may think, yeah, but, but she and I, we're going to build our own lives, but she's been raised a certain way. And, you know, the old saying is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And even though it may look like it's a lot different, there is still a whole lot that is put there. And so, so, and so what Samson was saying, he, he, he said, when they said, is there not another one, he, someone here, he said, I don't care. She's pretty. Go get her for me anyway. And there's a couple of things here I would like to take about two hours to talk to you about, but we're not going to do that today, okay? But one of them is, he said, I don't care. I want her anyway. Did you hear this? I don't care. I want her anyway. The Samson generation that, that you know, we can say, here are the consequences to what you're going to do. And said, nah, I don't care. I want it anyway. You know, you know like that, that strong-headed, strong-willed child that you got in your family? You know the one that had rather go ahead and do what they want to do and just take their punishment later? Because just getting to do what I want to do is more important. I, I don't care. I'll take my punishment. How many licks is it going to cost me? You know, how many days am I going to be grounded? I, okay, I still want to do it. Just tell me what my punishment's going to be. I'll take it because I want to do this. This is what Samson, Samson was saying. I don't care. I want her anyway. But what amazes me even more is the response of his parents. They went and got the woman. They knew this was not going to be a good thing. And they went and got her anyway. They set up the marriage anyway. They were involved anyway. And said, oh, but you, I, I, you've, you've got to be there for your kids. Exactly. But bending over backwards and giving your kids what they want is not being there for your kids. Oh, I should have gotten a whole lot more amens than that. Being there for your kids is not giving them what they want. Being there for your kids is standing up and saying, no, this is wrong. And you are going to pay heavy consequences if you do not follow God in this thing. But Samson didn't have parents. And I look around, guess what? I think we're living in a Samson generation because we have a lot of kids today who don't have parents who will stand up and say, no, this is going to destroy your life. And by heaven, hell, or whatever it takes, I'm going to believe God to make you victorious over this thing that's trying to destroy you. Amen. Thank you for those 18 or 19 amens by hand. I appreciate it. Exactly. We need some men or women to stand up and be parents again. Samson didn't have that. 
And so it's no wonder that Samson is, is in and out doing his own thing because he got nobody holding his feet to the fire. And look at this one. And then in chapter 16, verse 1, you know what happens? He goes away on a weekend and he goes in and spends the night with a prostitute. Okay, we, we, you know, when you meet a prostitute, you didn't accidentally end up in a wrong place. When you hire a prostitute, you chose, I mean, there was malice of forethought to do damage to the direction of God it put into your life. And, and, and I was saying this yesterday, and I really didn't plan on really even getting into this a whole lot right here with you, but, but I was saying this yesterday. I read through this, and, and, and then you read the next couple of verses, and you say, it's like God just ignored that. Samson just spent the night with a prostitute, and God just ignored it and still used him. And I'm like... You know, God, how do I preach holiness and righteousness? And you're ignoring unholiness and unrighteousness. And he reminded me, but what's the rest of the message? The rest of the message was, you don't get away with it. There is always going to be a consequence to not following God's way. And even though God used him again, and some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you in the back, on the back row need to hear this. Even though God is using you today, that doesn't mean he approves of everything you did yesterday. Oh, wow. Getting heavy in here now. I told you, though. Okay, we're going to get to some good stuff here in a few minutes. Just hang in with me here, okay? But just because he used you today does not mean he approved of everything you did yesterday. Samson slept with a prostitute, and God still used him. And I went, how do you, because... Of something else I want to tell you about really good here in a moment but let me go on last thing right here with the guys with the guys and you know boy we can really get messed up when we get out with the guys right I mean we take leave of our senses don't we is there anybody here that has ever said hey watch this <laughs> yeah I got a friend that I called. I hadn't spoken to him in a long time. He's a family friend. I called him. I don't even remember what I called him for. This was several years ago. I called him, and I, we started talking. I don't remember what I called him about. And, and, he, and I asked him, what's going on? He said, well, I just got out of the hospital. I said, oh, really? You know, I thought he'd been sick or something. And uh, he said, no, man, I was there for a long time. And I said, what, what happened? He said, well, he said, my son got this new dirt bike. And he said he was wanting to do something that I didn't think was safe. And so I said, I, I said, Cole, hang on a minute. Let me, uh, the famous last words for the dad, right? Son, let me make sure this is safe. And he climbed on the dirt bike and he said the next thing he remembers is opening his eyes, laying on the ground, looking up and watching the helicopter land that is going to take him to the hospital. I mean, we get with the guys and we lose we lose our minds. We lose our reason within ourselves. I mean, we start thinking about things that we can do, maybe we can get away with or whatever, right? Young ladies don't do that, though, do they? You never get off by, with a whole bunch of other young ladies, and all of a sudden, you start doing things that you know is wrong, that you'd have never dreamed you would be doing or whatever. You know, here's the danger, is it's in those times where you take down those guards that you have put around you to say, this is, this, is the, this is the limit. When you take those things down, that's when you start making life-altering decisions that will destroy everything God has built in your life. These are the most dangerous times for you. And the whole story here of chapter 14, here, I don't want to tell you too many details, but let me tell you this real quick. It began with Samson just being with 30 new friends that he had, that he met with this this wife that he's married. 
and they had a party, and no doubt there was some drinking in the party. Well, hopefully he wasn't drinking. He wasn't supposed to have the alcohol, but we don't know. And there was some drinking at the party. And then after the drinking, all of a sudden, he starts feeling pretty good about himself. And he, start, he tells them a riddle. And he makes a bet with them. And they t- accept the bet. And he's got, they've got seven days to answer the riddle. They can't answer the riddle. And so they start talking to his wife. And, and they say, now, listen, your, your dad lives right here. And we'll, we'll, we'll injure him. We'll do something to your family. And so she starts, she starts whining. And she starts working on that Samson. And finally, finally on the seventh day, he's just had all he can stand. And he tells her the answer to the riddle. And you know what she does? She jumps up and she runs over and tells those 30 guys. This was the kind of thing, listen to me, this is the kind of thing that his parents were warning him about is she is closer to her family than she will ever be to you. They saw this and they saw this in there. So you need to be careful when you're watching and you're looking for that mate that's out there. Okay, but anyway, she goes and tells them. So then they're, right before sundown, they come to him and he thinks he's still got him beat. They ain't got a clue what the riddle is and they tell him. And really like what Samson says. I mean, this, 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 this sounds like my granddad instead of somebody from the Bible. You know, he says, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have guessed my riddle. <laughs> you got to think about that one just a little bit, don't you? <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, that, that sounds like something my granddad would have said instead of that. And so, you know what he does? He ends up going down and gets in a fight and he whips 30 men, kills them to take, to take stuff from them to give to these guys because he's got to pay the debt of the bet. And then he's so mad, he leaves, and and he actually leaves and goes back home where he's from with his mom and dad. And after a while, he comes back and he finds that his wife has been given to somebody else. And so now he's lost his wife that he just had. He gets mad now, and he goes out and gets into another fight. And now then then the, the, the Philistines that he's fighting against, they come and they burn his wife and her dad and their house and which makes him get into another fight. And it just goes on and on and on. And now he finds himself, uh, also his, his own people come to him and, and they ask him, would you let us tie you up and deliver you into the hands of the Philistines because we can't, we can't stand against them. We won't hurt you, but will you just let us? I mean, they even turn on him. He doesn't even have their support. You know, all of this, he, he is totally alone. And that's what happens, why in verse one of chapter 16, probably, I, I'm not saying this is a, an excuse for it, but that's how he ends up with the prostitute. He's all alone, and he say, oh, oh, how in the world do you know what the prostitute? That's how. Because one little weekend with the guys, one little moment with the guys, one little moment of saying, I don't have to follow the rules, not right now. And that's what he did. Let's go on. Next, next slide. Uh, I got a scripture there for uh, Judges 16, 16. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. This was, this was Delilah. The physically strongest man ever was a spiritual weakling. The man we call the strongest ever was a spiritual weakling. We find him now. He's fallen in love with a a lady named Delilah. You probably know that name. You probably heard that one, Samson and Delilah. And you know what she began? She wants to find out the secret to his strength. And she begins whining and whining and and he begins teasing her. He throws ideas out there. They're, They're not true. And she keeps on and keeps on and keeps on until finally he tells her his truth, his secret. You know, this is the second time this happened to him. Can I tell you something? When we get under strong temptation, we are not the smartest people in the world. And I don't just mean men, I mean all of us. 
When our temptation that, that, that really get, we are not the smartest people in the world and we can't handle it as much as we think we can handle it a lot of times. This was the second time it happened to him with his wife who kept saying, oh, you don't love me, tell me what the riddle is. And now this lady, oh, you don't love me, tell me what the secret is. And so he told her and it was, and he told her it was about the hair. Okay, now here's a, here, here's a big problem. Is he had forgotten really what his strength was all about. It was not in the hair. Oh yeah, that was part of the covenant he had with God was do not let a razor come to your hair. But that's not where the strength was. It's not in the hair. It's in the covenant. It's in the commitment. It's in the relationship. And so he told her, and so she calls the Philistines. They come in. She, they cut her hair. He cuts, she cuts his hair or she has someone cut his hair. He's lost all of his strength. They're able to take him. They bind him. They gouge out his eyes. And they have him now grinding in their mill. Grinding in the mill. And so now Samson, he has lost everything. Everything. He's lost his strength. He lost his eyesight. And if you think about a blind man, just a normal man now, he's not Samson anymore. You think about it, he, he's got to have somebody maybe lead him around, somebody bring his meals to him, somebody take care of a lot of the issues of life that he has. He doesn't have anybody like that around him. He's captive, and he's a blind captive. He is teased, he is tormented, he's lost, he's, lo he's lost everything. He's lost his strength, he's lost his eyesight, he's lost his freedom, he's lost everything. And as Jeff told us in the sermon he preached at the end of the year for us, Judges 16 and 20, he didn't even know that the Lord had left him. He had lost his relationship with God, which is the worst of all because everything else connected to that. All of his, you know, we were singing a few moments ago about the freedom. It connects to that. And he lost, he lost it all. And see, and here's, here's really where I am with this burden for you guys is because I see, like with Samson, I see, man, so much opportunity here, but so much that was thrown away. Let me, let me take you to the, we're not going to end here, okay? Thank God, right? Let's end with a couple of good principles. Here's the first one, forgiveness. The principle of forgiveness. In Judges chapter 16, verse 28, Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more time. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And so he prays and he asks God and he actually grabs the hold of the, uh, of the pillars of the temple and he pulls them together and the whole temple falls down and, and, and he kills more. And, and, those, and we'll read that in a minute, but he's, he's going to kill more. I mean, it, it's amazing what God does. I mean, he prays in his lowest point and God answers him. And, and some of you today, you may feel like you failed, you failed God, you felt everybody in your family, you felt everything around you, everything that you've been called to do. And, and, and you know, every win that Samson ever had, it's almost like it was just a race. Nobody thinks about that anymore. And you may feel like you've never had a win in your life. Even the, the success you had has been stolen away from you. But, but let's go to our next scripture, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Here is the principle of forgiveness, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the principle of forgiveness, that nobody in this room has been so bad. Nobody in this room has gone so far. Nobody in this room is so far away from God that you can't today say, God, I'm sorry, and receive complete forgiveness. But there's another part of that principle of forgiveness. There's a principle of forgiveness and 
restoration. That, that, that verse, I was stumbling all over there just a moment ago, trying try not to say, but, but wanting to say, verse 30, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. This is in his prayer. He's saying, God, please forgive me and give me my strength back. Let me die with the Philistines. Give me vengeance for my two eyes that they took out. And then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers, all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. He was, his strength was restored to him. And his, and his calling was restored to, to, to deliver the Israelites out of the Philistines. And, and so let's go to our next scripture is, is in the New Testament. It's the principle of restoration. It's Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. What that means, listen to this. This is what restoration means. The forgiveness and restoration principle. This is what it means. It's whatever God called you to and whatever God was using you for, no matter how bad you've messed it up, when you come back to him in true repentance, there is forgiveness and restoration and the gifts and the callings and everything that he called you to do is still there. If he called you to, to, to serve some awesome way in ministry, but you've messed up, all it takes is forgiveness and he brings restoration and that calling is still there. But not just the calling, the gifts. The strength came back to Samson, and he was able to finish his life with the strength, the calling that God had given to him. It's there. If you, if you were, and I know so many people get called to the mission field, and then they find out what it's really like to be a missionary, and, and they say, well, that wasn't me. And so there may be a lot of you like that, but there may be some of you that felt called one time, and, but you walked away from that and said, I just, I, I just want to be me, and I just want to enjoy it, but, but it's, you've got that calling again. Maybe it's not somewhere far away. Maybe it's something small or, uh, or, or close by and you just feel that calling and, and, and you just don't know what you can do with it. It's still there. You can't get away from it. It's still there. And it's not that he's calling you to do something. I mean, those people who honestly get called to the mission field, get called to the mission field, and then they realize it's something that, oh, no, that's not me. He didn't call you to that, did he? Okay, no, he doesn't call us to those things. He calls us to those things that ignite our passion. And make us wake up in the morning and say, I'm ready to do something else amazing for you today, God. And if that's gone away from you and it seems like a, a distant memory and, and you've messed up so many times and you've been such a horrible example to those who are around you and you've led your family into poor decisions instead of putting yourself in a place where you can actually do ministry, guess what? All you got to do is turn back to him and say, God, just one more time. Would you restore to me the gift and calling? Because the principle there in the word of God is that the gifts and the callings are without repentance. They're always there. But it could have been so much more for Samson. I, you got to see this. You got to see this. Samson said, God, just give me vengeance. And we talked last week about vengeance, didn't we? We've talked in this sermon series about having hurt. And how hurt will just fester. Here is the picture of how hurt and a vengeful attitude will fester inside of you until it kills you. And what did Samson do? Samson said, I just wanna die. Just let me die with these people. Just let me kill as many of them as I can going out, God. The vengeance had so gripped him, he just wanted to die. He was dead, he was done, he was over. I just wanna die, God. I, I don't care about doing I don't care about doing anything else for you God I just want vengeance on my two eyes listen how selfish the prayer was he wouldn't say God you called me to do an amazing thing that wasn't his prayer he didn't say God you called me to set set Israel free from these Philistines that wasn't his prayer he said God would you just one more time let me have vengeance on these people from my two eyes it could have been so much more hear me hear me it can be so much more 
What if he had prayed? God, your calling on my life is still here. And if you will give me my strength and my eyesight back, I'll be a man again. What if he had prayed for a healing to his eyes? Now, I don't know about you, but you know, I read these miracles that God did through Samson's strength, and I say, look, I think I could believe that God could heal his eyes too. But Samson, he could believe for what he had already seen with his own hands, but he couldn't believe for what he had not seen yet. He had never seen anybody's eyes healed. And he couldn't believe that. You need to get that here. Is it's hard to believe sometimes for what we don't see. That's what is called faith. Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's believing in what you've never seen before. And if Samson could have just gotten it for a moment, imagine, he could have had his eyesight back, his strength back. He could have stepped out of that temple and he could have ruled, judged, led Israel into victories all over again. How many more, how many more victories did God have on the calendar that he wanted to give Samson? This is what I want you to hear, young people. How many more victories did he have on that that Samson never got to because he was playing? But I, I, want, I want you middle-aged and older to hear this also. How many more has he written in your life, more victories in your life, but you're, you're still sitting here thinking, oh, I've messed up way too much for God to ever use me again. But there's a principle of forgiveness and restoration, and every gift, every calling is without repentance. It's still there. Meaning that God will not repent or take back what he has called you or gifted you to do. Last, last, last principle, and this one won't take long, we'll close. It's the principle of power. We, uh, Church 2911, we are a Pentecostal church. You might not know that, you might not care, you should. You know, if you're attending a church, you ought to care who they are. We hesitate sometimes to use labels because you know, you say, you use that term Pentecostal, and then somebody met somebody that was a Pentecostal and they did something really, really weird, or they, 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 they disobeyed, or they abused something, or whatever. And so then, now all of a sudden, say, oh, so you're like them. Now, that's not what I'm saying. You know, they're term, like charismatic. I would use the term charismatic, that that's who we are. But then some of you would say, oh, but I've seen some charismatics, and they did so, so you're like them. No, 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 that, that's not what I'm saying. You know, not what the terms have come to mean to some people, but what the terms really mean. And what the terms mean of Pentecostal charismatic, let me wrap it up for you right here real, real easily, means that we don't believe the Holy Spirit went off to sleep somewhere in the universe 2,000 years ago. That when he baptized the people on the day of Pentecost with the power and, and miracles started happening and people got healed and people got delivered and, and that the Holy Spirit didn't go off to sleep somewhere for the last 2,000 years. But the Holy Spirit is still operating, bringing miracles and healings and deliverance and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and prophecies. All of, the, all of those things are still there. That yes, you can pray and expect God to heal you. That you can pray and expect God to deliver your family. You can pray and expect a miracle. You're, you've been asking for amazing. This is why, this is why I'm telling you this, is this is who we are. We believe. 
that you can believe for amazing and God wants to bring amazing. But here's the problem. See, it's all wrapped up in this, 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 this sermon right here. Here is the problem. We don't get to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit a lot on Sunday mornings. You want me to tell you why? I want to try to be really, 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 really nice in saying this, okay? But for too many of us, we're like Samson. That instead of trying to find all the power of God we can, we're trying to find out how much we can get away with and still be called God's children. And so we're constantly just going back for repentance. Oh God, I messed up again. I messed up. And we're, we're, we're still dealing with the milk issues of the Word of God instead of getting into the meat issues of the Word of God. And so that's why I'm praying. Oh, I'm praying, God, give us some, give us some meat small groups for people to really get into and get that because I, I know we, we've got to preach to everybody on a Sunday but I, I want you to know if, if we ever want to get there if we want to get to the miracles and we want to get we've we got to get beyond continuing to fall in these same things we got to get beyond a Samson generation mentality where oh well it doesn't matter we can still do this and go to heaven yeah you can you might be able to get to heaven doing some of the stuff you're doing but you're never going to get amazing you're never going to get miracles. You're never going to get the power of God operating in your life as long as you're trying to figure out what you can get away with. You're never going to get that. So a couple little things, last little things here. Is, and this, this is about, you know, Pentecostals are growing. When so many churches are dying, Pentecostals are growing. And, and I've read non-Pentecostals estimation, and one especially, some of the, this actually came from him. And he said, I, I've started looking at Pentecostals trying to figure out why they're growing. And here, here's some of the things he said. When you believe in miracles, there's no room for nominalism. When you believe in the miraculous, there's no room for nominalism. You know, nominalism, uh, nominalism is being affiliated with something in name only. You know, by saying, yeah, I go to church 29-11. That's where I attend or whatever. But it doesn't mean anything. On, it, it only means something on Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes or so. That's what nominalism is. But when you start saying, I believe in the miraculous, I believe in the power of God. I believe that he didn't just come to save me one day from a devil's hell, he came to save me from my problems right now. I believe the Holy Spirit is available for me today to call on and for deliverance to come into my family. I believe that the Holy Spirit is available for me today to call on and healing happen for someone in my family. I believe the Holy Spirit is available today to bring pre peace in my marriage. And even though me and my spouse have been trying to tear it apart for 20 years, I believe the power of the Holy Spirit can bring peace and healing and restore my marriage. That's what it means. And, and when you start saying those kinds of things, then you're no longer nominal. <laughs> You know, so, so I, I, know, I know some people say, oh, I didn't know that's who y'all were. Y'all believe in miracles? Yes, we believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. And that's why I'm preaching this to you today is because I want to see a miracle in your life. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching for feel better today. I'm preaching for life change. I'm not preaching for helping you get by another week. I'm preaching for life change. I want to see amazing happen in your life. I want to see, there are marriages that some of you are sitting here and, and you say, it is over. There's no way to fix it. I'm telling you something, that's exactly when God can show up. When you have finally decided that you're no longer Samson anymore, you can't handle this by yourself, I need the help of God, then he can show up and he can do a miracle. And your marriage can still be rescued. That your kids have been messed up too. They've walked too far away from God. They've done too many, or that you are the kid who has done that. That you've walked too far away from God. I'm not preaching for you to feel better this morning. 
I want you to know I never preach for you to feel better. I'm preaching for life change. But I, I want to lay it all bare this morning. I want to make sure you fully understand what I'm talking about is that we believe that there is power through the Holy Spirit to bring about whatever miracle you need in your life. And you know what a miracle is? Listen, we're not talking about the stuff you can figure out because I, I know what happens. Every time you, you say, can we pray for you people? Just, some people just like, man, this thing's so far gone, prayer won't even help. That's what a miracle is. When you think there is no help except, except just something, and, and maybe even God can't even help, that's what a miracle is. And I pray today you let us believe with you for a miracle. Last thing, and this is, this is what I said last week, is discarding the miraculous keeps us from the amazing. Will you believe the miraculous today so that you can have the amazing? Will you believe the miraculous? And listen, I'm not asking you to believe in miracles. Now see, that, that's, that's one of the issues that messes people up. I'm not asking you to believe in miracles. I'm asking you to believe in God. And a God that created this universe can do anything he wants, anytime he wants to. And if he's your father, can you, you no, you can't even imagine what he wants to do for you. And there, you know, I almost think there's some of you sitting back there right now that, boy, you're like, Pastor, can we just hurry up and get to this prayer? I'm, I'm ready to believe for an amazing today. Let's pray. Would you join me at the front? Let's stand. If you're a first-time attender, let me just say we, we'd like to close around front with a final prayer. We'd love to have you join us. We'll have a, I got, a, I got one last little thing I want to share with you. We'll have a prayer. We'll sing a song. We'll be done. Press in a little bit here and just because we got people still in the aisle area. I, I want to point out to you again, if you'll look around you, you'll see some in the front, you'll see some on the side, some around behind you. These, these, these guys and ladies that's got these little lanyards around them, it says prayer. We've been anticipating all service this moment right here. Let me tell you something. I believe God's, okay, now, now, now I'm going to get weird on some of you because God don't speak to you like he talks to me. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't talk to me audibly. I've never heard him audibly, but man, he speaks to me sometimes. I'm like, almost like, wow. And on the way to church today, he spoke to me and he said he wants to work a miracle for people. Not a miracle, he wants to work miracles in people's lives today. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, just, see, some people have a hard time believing stories like that. I've heard people try to, uh, try to dismiss them like, well, you know, that old temple was probably overfilled and Samson just happened to push, you know, and everything just worked out. Works for me. That a blind man was able to find the weak po point in the temple. Works for me. That's a miracle. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I read this, this years ago, I read this testimony of a lady in the South Pacific. And uh, this, this was one of our, our territories and she had, a, she had her son had, had joined the Navy and he had been gone a long time. And she was praying for him every day. God, take care of him, take care of him, take care of him. And he was supposed to be coming home not to, in just a few months, you know, just a few months away. And she was like, God, I would really love to see my, see my son come home. I'd love to see that ship just dock. But there was a hill between her and the bay. And you know what she started praying? Because she remembered a scripture where Jesus said, 
If you believe and pray, you can call this mountain, tell it to be cast into the sea, and it'll be cast into the sea. And she was just, see, she was just silly enough, like some of us who hear from God every once in a while, to just believe what God said. So she started praying, God, your word says, I can pray and I can tell that hill to get out of my way. And she started praying. Now, this is not a story I heard. This, this was a, a testimony that I read, okay? So, I mean, I'm not telling you I heard this four times, passed down. And so she started praying this. Guess what? The U.S. military decided that they needed a la- an airstrip on that island. And the best place for that airstrip was where that hill was. And they brought in their equipment, and in just a little while, they piece by piece picked up that hill and threw it into the ocean, according to the Word of God. You can give a hand hand of praise for that, yeah. Why why do I tell you that? Because I I want you to know something. I want you to know that God has thousands of ways to give you a miracle. And it doesn't have to be woo, all that super spiritual. It can, it can be, hey, do you care if there's a $10,000 check in the mail tomorrow or if your boss just shows up and says, hey, I'm going to give you a $10,000 bonus. Do you care where it comes from? Absolutely not. God, sure as God, you know what I need and, and just give it to it. Let me, let me tell you one more story, just one more thing if I can. Just, I want to build your faith just a moment. This, this is another, another story. I heard this story and I went looking for the source because I don't like to tell stories I don't know anything about, okay? And say, this actually happened and I don't know it. I, and I went and looked and found the printed source, the printed testimony, just like this one I just told you, printed testimony. It was a lady. They lived in the, uh, they lived in the plains, uh, out in that flat part of, you know, and where there are no cities. I mean, they just lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, she had like three neighbors within yelling distance is all she had. And, uh, and one night right before she went to bed, her husband worked a long ways away. Right, right as she was going to bed, husband already been in bed because he has to get up before the crack of dawn every morning. She realized she had no bread to make, his, to make his lunch that day. He had to take a lunch. Again, there was no McDonald's out there. You know, there was no place for him to stop. There was not a service station for her. There was not an all-night anything for her to go get a couple pieces of bread to make a, to make a sandwich. And she was like, oh, Lord, my husband is going to have to go tomorrow without lunch. What in the world am I going to do? And she said, you know, I go next door to the neighbor. She had one neighbor that was close enough to walk to, but she had, they were already in bed. They wouldn't be up tomorrow morning when she needed to make the sandwich. And she had already been over there so many times. She was like, God, oh, I don't want to, please don't embarrass me and make me have to do that again and wake them up. God, please, would you just somehow make a way for me to have a couple of pieces of bread to make him a sandwich so that my husband does not have to go through the whole day without lunch. And she went to bed believing God was going to do something. Well, that's faith. That's faith when you can go to bed and believe Because I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, I'm still trying to figure out, now what am I going to do? You know, in case God doesn't show up in the morning, she went to bed. She got up the next morning, before her husband did, and she went to the sink to wash her hands to get ready to make the sandwich out of the bread that God was going to provide, not knowing where it was coming from. And she, when she went to the sink, she looked out her window, and there were cows all scattered in her backyard. And she looked up, she said, thank you, God. You let the cows out for me. Now, I know that doesn't mean anything yet to you, but you got to connect the dots. She realized immediately those were the neighbor's cows. So she put on her coat real quick. She ran next door and knocked on the door. Neighbor came, came to the door. She had to wake him up. She said, hey, I'm sorry I had to wake you up this early, but your cows are in my backyard, and I knew you wouldn't want to lose any of them. Oh, and by the way, since you're awake, can I borrow a couple of pieces of bread? <laughs> Do you care? 
You don't care. Don't care how God does it. If he has to let the cows out for you, if he has to send the U.S. military in to move the mountain, just believe. Don't believe in a miracle. Believe in a God that loves you supremely. Jamie, go ahead when you can.